Hello, and thank you for listening to the MicroBinFi podcast. Here, we will be discussing topics in microbial bioinformatics. We hope that we can give you some insights, tips, and tricks along the way. There is so much information we all know from working in the field, but nobody writes it down. There is no manual, and it's assumed you'll pick it up. We hope to fill in a few of these gaps. My co-hosts are Dr. Nabil Ali Khan and Dr. Andrew Page. I am Dr. Lee Katz. Both Andrew and Nabil work in the Quadrum Institute in Norwich, UK, where they work on microbes in food and the impact on human health. I work at Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and am an adjunct member at the University of Georgia in the US. Hello. Welcome to a new thing we are doing called Software Deep Dives, where we interview the author of a bioinformatics software package. Today, we are having a chat about some of the software we have created ourselves, because behind all the software are quirky details that never make it into the final paper. Today, Nabil is in the hot seat with Brig. We all know that Brig has like a thousand citations, so what's all that about, Nabil? So Brig is a software uh, it's just a graphical user tool where people can put in sequences and generate a simple circular comparison plot. And how does it do that? In terms of the input? Or... What is the input? So the, the input are sequences, either GenBank, FASTA, MultiFASTA, and you have one uh, selected as the reference genome, and then all of the others are compared back to that reference. The Blast results are shown as concentric rings on a, on a picture. You can add other things like annotations and you can play around with all of the thresholds and so on and customize it as you like. And do you have to do the Blast yourself or is it built in? No, the Blast is built in. You do have to, it doesn't install Blast for you, but it'll use whichever Blast you point it to. Uh, and so it takes that, what I found was at the time, that was definitely a limiting factor for people getting into addicts was they had to learn how to use BLAST on the command line before they could start interrogating their data. And this just sort of keeps this under the hood and does it for you. So is it compatible with the latest NCBI BLAST Plus? Yes, I think at the time BLAST Plus had just been released. So actually it was working with Legacy and Blast Plus, and it still probably will work with Legacy Blast if you awesome. put it in there. And I, I guess at the end, it makes like a really nice figure because, I mean, you know, you, you have thousands of citations or, or however many millions, I'm guessing. Uh, and so <laughs> I, I guess people are using this in their, um, in, their, in their papers. So can you describe kind of what the figure looks like? So people still use it today, which, which is a little surprising to me. I always thought people would... Uh, move on to looking at very large comparisons and lots and lots of different genomes and we would represent it differently. But it just provides a very simple, I guess, intuitive visualization of what your different different genomes look like to a single reference and just shows you what's what's conserved and what's not conserved for each of those different queries that you've put into it. So people use it for things like, these days people use it a lot for looking at plasmids and um, in the past, people were using it a lot more for looking at complete genomes and comparing comparing those. And I and I know people actually do use it for some eukaryotes. So I I know uh, someone once asked me to increase the scaling size so it would work for things like yeast. My God, that's big. 
So when was it published? Uh, it came out in August 2011. So it's stood the test of time. It hasn't uh, expired like most bioinformatics programs, you know, after three or five years. It's, yeah, it's a really odd one because I remember writing about or telling people that this was, this is a very particular way of representing your data. And as we generate more genomes, this is not going to be relevant anymore. But it does seem to generate something people like and it seems to be something that's easy to use. And so people just seem to stick with it. Who actually kicked this off? Who asked for it to be done? So this was a wager from my PhD supervisor, Scott Beetson. And he just posed this very simple question. At the time, he was working a lot with Blast Atlas, which produced very complex figures. But you had to generate these configuration files that specified all the inputs and so on. And he had a Perl script that was plugging this huge sheet that would then feed into Blast Atlas and generate the figure. And he was like, isn't there just a simple tool that can just take Blast results and just draw the picture for me? Do I really have to make all these files? And he had it as an open tender to the group to make write a software. And the reward was one jug of beer to be the first one to write it. Yeah, it was supposed to be like a little helper tool that you'd write in like a, a week or two. And uh, did you write in a week or two or did it take a bit longer? The basic, well, it, the basic brief of what he wanted took me like a week or two. But then once we started seeing it, it became this thing of like, oh yeah, it works on a faster file. Can it work with GemBank as input? Can it show the annotations from the GemBank file as well? Can it show coverage from a BAM file? Can it do this? Can it do that? And then it just kept going and going and going. And I think I wound up spending several months, maybe six, nine months, just tweaking it and working on it to get it to the state that it's in. And you mentioned a jug of beer. How, what is the, the volume of that jug of beer? Oh, jug of, it's a standard measurement of, of beer in Australia. It is two pints. That's not very much. Two, two imperial pints, 1.2 liters. I, I would expect at least four pints in a jug. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think I've gotten, ma- I-, I think Brig has rewarded me many times over after, uh, given how well it's done. But yeah, but it was, it was nice beer. It was uh, Cooper's, no, was it? I think it was Cooper's Golden Ale, which is a local microbrewery beer back home. Very so it was nice. good stuff. Quality over quantity. So was there any earlier prototypes before you uh, came on to make what Brig is now today? Well, the actual um, image rendering package underneath is called CG View, which had been out for several years before that. And I had been tinkering around with it for a lot of different things. I was using, I was using it on different projects. I think that was the first thing I wrote in Perl was a script that would sort of generate a simple UCG view to generate a simple picture. And then it went on from, from there. Uh, there are uh, this this particular representation is not new. Making this comparative figure like this, there were a lot of tools at the time that would make the same thing. So Blast Atlas, as we've mentioned, there were there was DNA Plotter from the Sanger uh, that didn't do the blast for you, but you could just feed in the results and sort of annotate the results on a ring. And then there were things like GeneWiz browser, and then CG View also had a CG View server, which was on which is doing something similar. Uh, who are the major people involved in the whole process? 
Yeah, so there's a saying, it takes a village to raise a child. This is the first thing I did in my PhD was try and write this software. I had a lot of help from a lot of different people. I remember the development cycle was I would write a version. It would be, I would email it out to everyone who was using it. And then I would get feedback about things and bug fixes and ideas for it. And this was everyone in, in our department in the University of Queensland, we were, I was sending it out. So that's everyone in Scott's group, everyone in Mark Shembury's group, people in, in, other, prof, in other research groups, uh, people at conferences would give me feedback. And then, so all of those different people, especially the, my co-supervisors, Nuri and Nico helped out a lot with just getting that, that thing when you make the figure and you look at it and you say that it's pretty, it has some sort of aesthetic that was from a lot of different people giving a lot of feedback. And I think that's the major thing that attracts people to the brig figure versus doing it with other tools. It's also publication ready, which is quite handy. Yeah, exactly. We had a lot of, a lot of effort to make sure that it would generate the SVG and the PNGs in a way that you could just slot it straight to an editor into a paper. That was like a key requirement. So Brig, uh, where did the name come from? It sounds like some kind of pirate, uh, pirate reference. Yeah, partially. I think whenever we come to deciding a name for a particular software, you want something that's memorable. You want something that's a bit that is unique, that doesn't get confused with other things. And the, the acronym is what it does. It's Blast Ring Image Generator. That's what it does. And ships are cool. I like ships. And I think in some sense, I felt partially imprisoned while doing all of the debugging. So the name Brig, being locked in the Brig, working on this thing, that, that had a little bit in there as well. I always assumed it stood for something, but it's just all capitals Brig, like you're yelling it. So is it a backronym or did you actually have a, a proper, uh, you know, think about it first? We had a long discussion on the name, taking, yeah, looking at the things it was doing. So Blast Ring Image Generator, that's what it stands for. And we were toying around with that for quite some time for to come up with the name. And it stuck. It just stuck. It's very bizarre to read the literature and see people write figure two, this brig analysis shows X, Y, Z. And you're like, I, okay. <laughs> you're like, it's just blast. I mean, you're giving me too much credit. So if, if you had a, a totally naive person who was just looking around, naive to um, blast atlases, what would you tell that person is the selling point for brig? The unique selling point for it, it's, it's, it's very subtle because the, the space is quite saturated with different tools and they're all very good in their own different ways. For Brig, the unique thing was people say it's very easy to use. People say that the manual is written really well and explains how to use it properly. It has a lot of different features that allows them to generate the kind of figures they want and they're ready for publication. So it's mindful of what people are trying to achieve. And each of the features were selected that way, that they were addressing a unique need for a particular person. So what language was it written in? So it was written in Java. So Java, so because I did uh, software engineering in my undergraduate, that was the language that I was most comfortable with at the time. I hadn't done very much Perl or Python. 
the graphic user interface I knew fairly well how to do in Java. So that's which one was it? So I just Swing or was it AWG? Yes, yeah, Swing. No, no, it's Swing for for that. It's a lot. I think Java's definitely a not nicer. I wrote it in the Java 1.4 era, which is like where everything in our interfaces and everything is hard, is strongly typed, and you're like, oh my god, do I have to write three classes just to get something done? <laughs> um, I think it's a lot better now. So did you follow all the software engineering everything? Do you have do you have objects? No, and tests that's and that's that's my major regret was because it was my first. I you do so you do software projects in university, but this was the first one that I was making that had real people using it, and I, I didn't. Sadly, I didn't include things like unit tests. It is object orientated inside, and it does have those sort of design principles. But there's not a strong test bed sitting behind it, which now makes it next to impossible to go back and make major changes to it without breaking everything. And I thoroughly regret I didn't take the time to kind of learn how to do that properly. So how does it interface with Blast? Does it just run it like a command line script or does it actually... Yeah, it just runs... So it runs it as a separate uh, Java thread uh, sub-process. I did take the care to make sure that when you kill the main um, brig GUI thing that it does go off and kill the blast sub process. That was a that took me a while to figure out. Otherwise, every time it crashed, you just had like ten different blasts running in the background, and people's laptops would start <laughs> running really slow, and they didn't know why. You'd be popular. Um, so it is thread safe at that. <laughs> yeah, that was a bit of a shock when I get some email like, "Hey, you just made my computer run really slow. What the hell is it done? Is it a virus?" But like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, being thread safe is important. <laughs> that was a learning experience. But yeah, it is just running a Java thread underneath. So how is it all packaged up? Because I recall it was very, very easy to actually go and install. It's just the jar. It's just the Java archive. Um, the, so that's Java's own packaging thing. So it's just a one-click application to, to run it. That's all the way Java's set up to help. I think... These days, I would go back and have proper library management, like to things like Maven and things like that, which would make the updating and installing a bit easier. So how is it documented? So the document was a 50-page manual I wrote in LaTeX. That's available. Wow. Yeah, uh, that's available as alongside when you download it. There's this manual document in there. It's, it's a book. I'll explain how the manuals laid out because I took we took a lot of care to make sure that it was written in a way that someone who didn't know what they were doing could just figure out what they wanted to achieve and, and get the job done. There's like the first section is like a, a worked example. So the first couple of pages to show you here's a figure, like here's an awesome final product. Go to this chapter if you want to know how to do this. And there's like three or four different examples. And it just takes you through it with, with example data. Exactly click this and click this and click this. You change this, you change this to make this kind of figure. And then the back end of it is a reference section, which just explains all of the different options for configuring CG view underneath that, how to configure the blast, how to change parameters, all what the different buttons do and so on. I, you know, I, I bring that up because people come to me and say that that manual was really good. It explained exactly how to do it, but that took a lot of effort to generate that. And 
I could see it being much more useful being on like read the docs these days. That's how I would do it today. Put it on read the docs and have something similar. So what features are you most proud of internally? I think I, the one thing that I had to do was a lot of optimization. And one thing that I'm quite proud of is the fact that when you have multiple different sequences or you have multiple different blast results where the blast results would overlap based on the coordinates, I wrote a lot of logic that would go back and clean that up and simplify the final figure. Because if, you're, if you just did a simple thing of for each blast hit, you converted it and then drew an object on the SVG, you wouldn't be able to render. It, it would suddenly be this huge figure that would just take megs and megs and megs. So that optimization in the background was something I spent a lot of time trying to make sure that this would produce figures that were quite clean and minimal so people could make really big pictures without it crashing and and it paid off because people can put i've seen figures i've never made figures this big people make figures with like 50 different genomes with all of this annotation and all this different color and the file renders and it's it it works do you have any quirks that you want to talk about any behind the scenes things that happened in the development yeah one of the fun things is the color palette if you use Brig, there's like a specific color palette. Um, and that took, that was based off one fellow PhD student who would make a lot of Brig figures for her different talks and stuff. And she had a very particular color palette that I liked. And I just used that as the default color scheme. So, you know, it goes like purple, green, blue, red, something, something, something. There's like a set of 20 colors that are, that are built into it that it always uses by default. You can change it, but there's a default set. And then, you, and then I see that in publications where people have just made this figure. And I always see that same sequence of colors. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Has she seen that? Like, like she came up with this palette and now she gets to see it in the literature maybe? I hope, I hope that she does see that and remember that that she helped me with that. She's aware that I used a color palette because I kept seeing these figures. I'm like, look, I really like the way you pick the colors. I'm going to use it. I really hope she does remember it because that's like a thing that's such a random thing. That's just, but it's there uh, and people don't realize that they're doing it. It's like a meme. It's a trope. It's an inside joke. Only I laugh about, well, I guess everyone can laugh about it now when they see it. I guess people can deliberately change the color palette just to, just to be contrarian. So what features would you love to add, but you didn't really have time for? Oh, I think I had, I had a, a bunch of different feedback. I remember one from Kat Holt saying that it should support bed files and wiggle files. And I was like, yeah, that would have been easy to add, but I never did it. There were different philosophical problems with the, with the figure that come out of it once you start playing with it and you realize that there's these very stark limitations. The first thing is, is that it's the figure it generates a static. You sort of want, because there's so much information, you want to be able to zoom in and pick on different regions and zoom out and so on, which you can't do. The other element is you, you are always bounded by the reference. There's a central reference and everything is compared to that. That makes the figure simple to understand, but that, but then all of a sudden, anything that's accessory that's coming in and out between your query sequences, you have no idea. If there's something not in the reference, you never see it on the figure. You never know about it. And that was something 
there was a publication of different software that came out after it, after Brig, that tried to solve that problem by showing this kind of, ins- like the sort of Artemis comparison figure, but circular with, with insertions and deletions. But it didn't really make sense. It didn't, it didn't have the same, like you, didn't, you had to take some time to understand what it was showing you. And that's the kind of problems I saw with the software and that still bother me. I don't know about both of you when you write a tool and people like it and secretly all you think about are just the things where you're like, oh, yeah, but it doesn't do this and it doesn't do that. Absolutely. Yeah. But you got to ship early and ship often, you know? And uh, also you have to call it a day sometimes and just move on. I agree with that. And yeah, I have the same, I have the same problem with my software. (laughs) Wish I did this or that. So Nabil, are there any plans for putting Brig on the command line? Yeah, I've always wanted to go back and do it. That was one of the first things people started asking about and people still ask about. And um, I think someone's actually written something that will generate the XML input for the CG view, and but do it command line as well. Yes, I think if I was going back to do Brig again, I would probably just re-implement it. I think uh, Java is not the best language these days. I'd probably just, I would change so many different things and I would add, it would be online and it would sing and it would dance, take any input and GFF files and all sorts of different things it would do. I like the idea of putting in like the Konami code or something and then it would sing and dance for you. Oh yeah, some Easter eggs would be fantastic. Add some different color palettes. Well, thanks for another great discussion. This was a quick chat about some of the software we've created ourselves. There's always some interesting facts about how these different tools came into being. Today, we're talking about Brig, which is for visualizing genomes against a reference. You can check it out on SourceForge. And that's all the time we have for this episode. See you next time. Thank you all so much for listening to us at home. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and like us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the platform of your choice. And if you don't like this podcast, please don't do anything. This podcast was recorded by the Microbial Bioinformatics Group and edited by Nick Waters. The opinions expressed here are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of CDC or the Quadrum Institute.